One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. day because we get to have some special uh, friends and special guests with us today, and that's Russ and Kim and Shekinah Klein. And uh, this is, uh, for many of us, this may be the first in-person introduction. had something that was going around, and so we went online, and I knew that I wanted uh, Russ uh, to speak into our church, and I just thought this is an awesome moment for that to happen. But uh, Russ and Kim have been family friends of ours, even before Shekinah was in their family. They were already friends of ours. Uh, I've told their story, and I won't, tell, uh, I won't tell it right now in case they want to, um, but they are just an awesome, awesome family, awesome uh, people of faith, um, and, and good friends to all us as a, as a family, but also I believe they will be friends with our church as well. And uh, so we're honored to have them here today. But more than just guests, as guest speakers, uh, I believe they are a gift. And the Bible says that God gives gifts to the body. In fact, he says that all of us have gifts. We've all been given gifts. Uh, but there are some gifts that, that are unique in that they, uh, they are uh, a gift to equip the body, to stir up the body. Uh, and one of those gifts is the gift of the prophet. And Russ and, and Kim, and I know even Shekinah, carries that gift. And I know for some of us that may be something maybe unique to uh, our experience, maybe vernacular that we're not used to. Um, but it is in the Bible. And uh, in fact, specifically in the New Testament, the Bible says, eagerly desire uh, spiritual gifts and especially prophecy. And there's something about prophecy that just stirs up, I would say it this way, it stirs up our sensitivity to what God is doing. And so even as, as uh, the, the Klein family is here today, they're not here just as they're the prophets, they're going to come and then they're going to leave. They're here, but they're imparting a gift. They're imparting a grace to us. And so I hope that we will just be open uh, to receive that, and we're receiving them today, not just as friends, although they are friends, and not just as guest speakers, although they're going to speak, we're receiving them as, as gifts to us today. And so I just want to pray as, uh, before I introduce Russ, and let's just open up our hearts to what God wants to do today. Father, we thank you, Lord, that it is you that we long for. And Father, we thank you today, Lord, that the Spirit of Christ is the Spirit of prophecy. And Lord, right now we want to, Lord, as we receive Russ, and Kim, Shekinah, Lord, we are ultimately receiving a gift from you. And Lord, we want the prophetic in our lives. We want the prophetic in our church. And Father, I pray that you would release faith into our hearts Lord, more than what they say, God, would you release faith to receive from your spirit as you minister through them and you minister to us today. And so, God, we thank you for it. Bless them. Bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you put your hands together and welcome Russ and as they come to minister. Well, good morning, church family. It's great being with you. Pastor Justin, Jen, thank you all for the honor of coming and being with you all. Um, some of you we did have a chance to meet briefly on Zoom back some time ago, but for many of us, it's the first time we had a chance to get to know one another. So let me just take a quick moment. Kim and I met in Bible college. I am a Navy brat. I was born in Hawaii. Don't I look Hawaiian? Um, uh, Kim is a Kansas City girl. Years ago, there was a song that said that Kansas City has some crazy little women there. And I'm going to make one mine. And so Kim and I met in Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, in a traveling music group. I played trumpet. She sang. And uh, we ended up getting married while still students in 1984. So we are approaching, in May, 38 years married, if you can believe that. We graduated in 1986 and began traveling. So we're coming up on almost 36 years now traveling. And by the grace of God, he's taken us to six continents and 40-some nations, uh, declaring the word of the Lord. And, um, but for, for 17 years, it was just Kim and I. 
And it was during that time we met the Johnson family. We were all young, uh, 34 and 35 years old for Kim and I at the time, and uh, met the Johnson family and got to, to hang out with them. Many of the places have been around the world have actually been with Ron. And um, it's been a tremendous time. But uh, for 17 years, it was just Kim and I. Doctors said we could not have children. Now, how many of you are thankful God gave doctors and medicine, but our trust is not in doctors and medicine? It's in the Word of the Lord. And without a long story, um, uh, Kim had the audible voice of the Lord come to her in 1989 and said, I will make you a Hannah. If you remember in Scripture, Hannah was barren and uh, had a child. Now, I've never heard God's audible voice. Kim has on a few occasions. Catch this. Twice when we were dating in Bible college, she broke up with me. I mean, go figure, right? Twice God had to speak to her audibly that she had to marry me. Pray for Kim. But uh, the voice of the Lord in the 1990s, she had a visitation from the Lord in which she saw a young woman ministering in the power of God. And the Lord said, this is your daughter, and her name is Shekinah. That is the Hebrew word for the glory of God. And so we declared around the world for over a decade that we were going to have a daughter named Shekinah. It was during that time that we met the Johnson family. And so um, they prayed and agreed with us. Well, in early 2001, I was in Karachi, Pakistan with a team from the church that we were part of with Ron and Sandy. And uh, we were training church planners. Kim was not on that particular trip. She had a, a checkup with a doctor in our church who delivered a lot of the babies, Dr. Stan. And uh, of our leadership. And for the first time in 17 years, she heard the words, Mrs. Klein, you are pregnant. And so she called and woke me up at 4.30 in the morning in Karachi, Pakistan. Um, and Shekinah is now 20 years old, um, been all over the world with us. In fact, Pastor Ron got to dedicate Shekinah. 20-some years ago. So anyway, um, and, and we just watch as God has used her. At two years old, she has Jesus in her life. At three years old, was baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. At five years old, began laying hands on the sick and seeing Jesus heal them. At seven years old, began to prophesy the word of the Lord. And we are convinced of this. God is not looking for the expert. He's looking for the available heart, the hungry heart. And so we've just watched uh, Shekinah grow in her gifting. And, and so before we get to the word, the girls are going to share uh, just uh, some quick testimony and story. But let me say again, it's a delight and honor to be with you all. So, sweetie. First of all, I want to say it is so great to be here. I love you guys already, and I'm expecting God to do really amazing things. Well, um, what the Lord laid on my heart to share with y'all is a testimony from a few months ago. A few months ago, we were in Louisiana, and while we were there, we saw God do some incredible, amazing things, including this. We were in the middle of a service, and I felt the Lord say that there was someone there whose heart needed healing, but it wasn't just physical healing. It was emotional healing as well. So after service, a lovely couple came up and said it was for them, and I prayed for them, you see, on the emotional side of things, this woman had just lost her mom two weeks prior. She felt completely heartbroken because her mom and her were best friends, and she felt like she just lost her best friend. And then a week after that, her granddaughter was brutally murdered. She felt that everything she once knew was slipping out from underneath her, that she couldn't cling on to anything. And on the physical side of things, her husband said that his heart was only working at 20% capacity. The doctors had told him he only had two years to live, and that's only if he stayed bedridden and didn't even lift a fork up to his mouth to eat. But they heard the Lord say to go to church that day. They're technically breaking the rules to even go that day, but they heard God say that they needed to go, so they said yes. So I prayed for them, and my heart truly went out to them. There, were, there was such a darkness, a heaviness that was just surrounding them. They were such a sweet couple, but you could tell it was weighing down on their hearts. Well, fast forward a couple days. We are getting in the car to go to the next place to preach, and we got a call from a random number. And it was this woman. She was half laughter and half tears. We could barely understand what she was saying. But the one thing we did understand was her husband was at the doctor. Can anyone guess what the doctor said? Anyone? Little guesses? <laughs> His heart was completely healed. And not only that. Oh, no, no, no. 
his heart was working um, better than average. The doctor's advice to him was, you need to go get a gym membership so the rest of your body can catch up with your heart. <laughs> and, you know, it makes you think, they said yes to God. What can God do with our yes? Whenever we say yes to God, we're not just flippantly saying yes. We're saying yes to his future for us. We're saying yes to his destiny for us. We're saying yes to open doors. We're saying yes to yes. And you might be even thinking, what does that even mean? You're saying yes to your eternal savior. Yes. Whenever you say yes to God, I think it can open up so many more doors than you could ever know possible. And there's actually a verse I wanted to share with y'all about saying yes. And that verse is 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. So today I want to challenge y'all. Let's call it the yes challenge, shall we? I want to challenge y'all this week to say yes to God, whether that is a big yes or a little yes. Say yes to him, and I think you'll be pretty amazed at what God can do with that yes. <laughs> you know, I love it when God has used Russ and me. I mean, I that's always been just such a awesome thing. But when you see your child, you see your child ministering, there's just no words for it. I just love it. I just can't help but just smile when she talks, you know, because I know how God has done this. And it's just God. God's the one that did it. And I'm thinking, wow, God, you are so good. You are so big. Well, you know, many, many years ago, we were on a mission and your pastor Pastor Justin was on that trip as well as Pastor Ron. But let me tell you first, going back a little bit, about a year ago, we were ministering in Bradenton, Florida. And while we were there, I had already planned out what testimony I was going to give. And it was a doozy. I mean, it was a great one that really stirs the faith. And I had it all planned out. I have to tell on myself a little bit. Usually, when I'm going to get up in front of people, I will rehearse it about three, four times in my head just to make sure I have it smooth and I'm not going to stumble over words. And that's just me. And so I had it all planned out, and we were going to have some people there that were actually pretty well known. And I think a little bit of that human pride got in there as well because I wanted to sound good that night because there's going to be people there that are well known. And so I'm thinking, okay, I've got this all down. Okay, this is going to be great. It's going to stir the faith. And right before the pastor turns the service to us in Bradenton, all of a sudden God says, you're not doing that. You are going to give the testimony from Siberia. And that was in 1999. I'm not even sure I could remember all the details. And I'm thinking, I haven't done that for like over 20 years. I mean, I haven't rehearsed that one, Lord. How am I going to do that? that? That doesn't work. Okay, we need to go back to the other one. And yet the Lord says, you need to do what I'm telling you to do. And I knew the Lord's voice. And so even though I did not want to do that, I got up there and took it and literally took the microphone from the pastor and literally it went the way that I had thought it might go. I sounded like a kindergartner up there. I couldn't remember the order of things and I felt so idiotic up there. I'm thinking, these people are going to think, why on earth did these people come to our church? Because I'm up there and I'm saying things and it doesn't even make sense to me. And I'm so embarrassed. And that's that human pride thing again. I'm so embarrassed. By the time I finish, I just slunk down to my seat on the front row and kind of put my head down thinking, well, please, nobody look at me right now. You know, I don't know if you've ever been there, but that's where I was. And I'm a little bit hard on myself about things like that anyway. And I'm thinking, all I can think is I'd be rating myself, be rating like, Kim, could you have sounded any, any um, worse up there? I mean, I don't think that you've ever spoke that, that bad in your life. And so that's what I'm thinking. You know, here we're supposed to be having this holy moment with God. And all I'm thinking was, I did terrible. And so now, fast forward a little bit to the altar service. The altar service, people just ran to the altars there in Bradenton. And, I mean, they were so hungry for God. They didn't want to leave. And so Russ looked at me and Shekinah and said, let's just divide into three prayer lines because we will be here all night long if we don't do it. And we and Shekinah just has her own prayer line anymore. And so we divided into three prayer lines. And so I had my prayer line over here. And I got to the fourth lady in the line. And I pick up her hands. And as I pick up her hands, it was like a jolt, an actual jolt went through me, like a little electricity went through my hand. 
And it startled me, and I dropped her hands, and I stepped back because I thought, what on earth? And then she leans up like she's telling me some conspiracy, and she goes, I know. I know. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know, but okay. <laughs> I don't know what she's talking about. And she looks at me, and she says these words. She goes, I am the girl from Siberia. Now, let me tell you that story from Siberia. You see, back in 1999, Russ and me and um, Pastor Ron and Justin and his brother Jordan all came on that trip. And so we were seeing a mighty outpouring, and Marilyn Hickey was there, and she was an incredible woman of God. And so we were seeing God just pour out there in Siberia way back in 1999. And so one morning, Pastor Ron was doing some teaching of some leaders. That's what he was doing. He was standing up there, and he was teaching the leaders. And so Russ and me are sitting on the front row. And all of a sudden, a 16-year-old girl comes in the back door of the auditorium, and she is screaming under demonic power. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody with demonized, but she was in bad shape. And she was screaming, making animal noises, and really contorting her body in ways that I didn't think was possible. And... Ron looked at Russ on the front row and goes, go cast the demons out of her. Now, Russ tells us funnier than me. He says he wanted to say, hey, why don't you go cast the demons out of her, and I'll go up there and teach. Thank you. And <laughs> but Russ said, yes, sir. And so Russ and me went out to a other room, not because we were embarrassed about it, but because we didn't want to disrupt all the things that were going on there with Ron teaching. And so we take her into a back room, and we have a handful of Russian um, intercessors and a handful of American intercessors that come back with us. Now, sometimes when people get around demons, they kind of act a little goofy. And so the people there, they were screaming. They were calling the devil names. They were marching little circles around her like a Jericho march. And they were just going at it. And after they called the devil all the names they could think of, they didn't know what to do because nothing was happening. And so I sometimes, I am, I'm this kind of person. I have to hear from God by just stepping back into the shadows and saying, God, okay, I know you want this girl set free. Show me. Show me what you want to do. And so I'm stepping back there while the intercessors are bewildered. And I said, okay, God. And the Lord gave me the most unusual vision. I had never had one like this before. In the vision, I see this girl's house. And literally, this girl's house was this girl's house was um, just out there in the middle of, you know, just in an area of wilderness, it looked like. And you walk in the front door. I was literally there. I felt like I was taking a home tour, like a virtual home tour. I walk in the front door. I look over here. I see the furniture, the mismatched furniture. I see the curtains up that were very strange-looking curtains. I start walking over here. And then I start walking down the hallway where the bedrooms are. And I'm walking down through this house in this vision, and it's like I'm there. And I walk down until I get to the last bedroom on the right-hand side. And I stand in that doorway, and the Lord speaks to me in the vision and says, this is where it happened. And I said, what happened, Lord? And he begins to tell me that this girl had been abused by her father in that bedroom from the time she was tiny little. And it had happened over and over and over to the point that she was just ripped up inside and she got involved in sexual immorality on her own just to try to medicate the pain of what her dad had did to her. And so I see this and I'm thinking, okay, what do I do with this? And so I actually got them in front of that girl there in Siberia and on my knees just right in front of her. And I start telling her through the interpreter, I said, this is what your house looks like. Your curtains look like this. The furniture is mismatched and it looks like this. And your bedroom is the last one on the right-hand side of the hallway. And I said, and this is what happened to you. And the Lord knows and he sees and he brought you here for a purpose. It was the most incredible thing. I'm just telling her, well, I tell you what, she stopped growling. She stopped slithering. And she's there, and it's grabbed her heart. 
because I've just, she knows I've never been to her house. And so I'm there and I tell her this. And then Russ felt the Lord tell him to do something that the Lord had never told him to do. He got down in front of her with me. And he says through the interpreter, look into my eyes. Well, this girl's like shaking her head. No, she won't do it. And it seemed like about a five-minute battle until Russ says, look into my eyes, because that's what God told him to say. And she looks up, and when she looked in Russ's eyes, every demon in that girl fled, shrieking as they went. She was in her right mind. We led her to Jesus right then. She was baptized in the Holy Spirit right then. God totally set this girl free. Now, Russ, Russ didn't understand why this looking into the eyes thing. I mean, he'd never done that before. You know, it's not like something you learn in Bible college. And yet, um, this girl says, you don't understand. Every time I have looked into a man's eyes from the time I've been a tiny little girl, all I've seen is lust looking back. But when I looked into your eyes, it was like not your eyes, but it was Jesus' eyes. And he was looking at me. And I knew I just wanted him more than anything else. God set her free in such a way. It was one of those powerful men. Well, so I gave that story in Bradenton not long ago. And I told it terribly. Hopefully I did it a little better today. But, and so, and then the girl comes up to me in the fourth of my line. And when I pick up her hands and the jolt of electricity goes and she says, I know, I know. And she tells me she's the girl from Siberia. She had just immigrated from Siberia to get away from her monster of a father. I've never had a person from Siberia that I know of in one of our meetings, except when we were in Siberia. And yet, I'm thinking only God could orchestrate this. I mean, you think about it. You think of the astronomical odds of that. It's just mind-blowing. And yet, God knows what he's doing. If God can do stuff like that in Siberia, I think he can do it right here in Florida as well. What do you think? God's going to have his way today. See, Justin said something earlier. He said, the spirit of prophecy is a testimony of Jesus. The prophetic is not about impressing people with knowledge. It's about revealing Jesus. And that's what he did to that precious young woman in Siberia. Turn with me to Revelation, if you have your Bible or on your phone, whatever. Revelation chapter 4. We're going to share just for a short time. We want to honor uh, your, your commitments here at the community center and, and all of that. But um, I do want to share just for a few minutes out of Revelation. Now, many times when somebody preaches out of the book of Revelation, we're thinking the Antichrist, the end times, and, and all of this stuff. But, you know, the, the book of Revelation is not about the Antichrist. Do you know the name, the full name of the last book of the Bible is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The end of history is not written in hell. It's written in heaven. And it's about Jesus. For me, growing up in the, I'm, I'm 58, almost 59 years old, born in 63. And so I remember growing up in the church in the 70s. And there was a lot of talk about the end times. There was a book called The Late Great Planet Earth. There were uh, uh, movies released by Billy Graham's ministry, uh, Thief in the Night. I remember times, I don't know if you've had this experience, coming home and you can't find mom and you thought you missed the rapture. <laughs> when I was nine years old, I went to a Baptist kids camp. We just moved to Virginia and uh, we were in the Baptist church at the time. I went to a Baptist kids camp and whoever set the campground up, they just weren't right in the head. Uh, the way they had it set up was this. The boys' dorms were over here of the campground. The bathrooms and showers were over here and right in the middle was a graveyard. So I want you to picture this. In the middle of the night, we had to go to the bathroom. We had to walk through a cemetery. But our counselor was even worse. Every night to a group of 8, 9, and 10-year-old boys, he read to us our devotion before bed out of the book of Revelation. You know, 666, Antichrist, head cut off, all this stuff. And so, you know, at night, all of us are going to sleep, you know, cut up in our, our sleeping bags, afraid. And so this joker, what he did on one night, he waited about 10 minutes. He, he uh, went out of our, 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 dunk, our bunk rooms um, to his little room. As he turned out the light, he said, good night. <laughs> waited about 10 minutes. He snuck around to the window next to our bunk beds. He started banging on the window, screaming bloody murder. We thought the Antichrist had come to get us. He'd found us. 
So let's put it this way. We didn't need to go to the bathrooms that night. He uh, scared something out of us. I'll leave that to your imagination. But you see, many times we think Revelation is about the end times. It's about horror and, and you know, the Antichrist. But the, the book of Revelation is ultimately to reveal Jesus. And in Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3, John, the beloved disciple, he's been banished to the Isle of Patmos, and he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And God is wanting to release that spirit of revelation upon the entire church. Pastor Justin said it well, that the role of fivefold ministry, including prophets, is not to line everybody up and give them a word. It is not about ultimately predicting who's going to win an election or what's going to happen in the Super Bowl. Though being from Kansas City, I don't even care about the Super Bowl this year. Of course, at least we've made it longer than Tampa, but I'll leave that alone. <laughs> and our quarterback's going to continue playing anyway. You see... Um, the book of Revelation has revealed Jesus, and John the Revelator was in the, uh, in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. God wants us to learn to live and walk in the Spirit. That doesn't mean you have to walk around with a halo over your head. doesn't mean you have to walk around speaking in tongues all the time. But what it means is we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We live in Him, and He lives in us. We live and move and have our being in Him. And so walking in Revelation is not about getting away for an hour and reading the Bible for an hour, praying for an hour, fasting for a week. All those things are great. But we need to learn to walk in the spirit of Revelation because ultimately Revelation is not to line people up in a church service and give them a prophecy. It's so we can reveal Jesus out in the marketplace. But um, there is a dimension of revelation, though I believe God is calling the church to, that we have only tasted. In Revelation chapter 4, John the Revelator said, after this experience, where I'm in the Spirit, the letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor, Revelation 2 and 3, John said, after all of this revelational experience, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I'd heard first speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. I want to declare that if the church is going to not just survive, but thrive and become the influence for the kingdom of God in the day in which we live, it's going to take a greater revelation than we've walked in. The word of God doesn't change. Jesus does not change. But where we are many times in the American church has been a place that's very shallow but we are going to have to step up our understanding, our revelation of who Jesus is and how he operates if we're going to be a voice for the kingdom of God, a voice for betterment in the culture and the time and the season in which we live. We heard a minister um, last night in Sarasota. He was talking about the timing. We need to understand this is the time and the season when God is calling the church forward. It is not a time just to survive. Now, our brother was sharing with us about the promised land. You know, when the wind of the promised land, it was battle, but it was not just a battle to survive. It was a battle to move forward. We are not just trying to survive the day we are in. We need to set the pace. In... Um, uh, what was it, in Deuteronomy 28, one of the blessings of God on the people of God for obedience was this, I will make you the head and not the tail. For many years, we were kind of taught that meant that you've got to drive the best cars, live in the best houses, and have big bank accounts. I'm not against God blessing prosperity-wise, but ultimately being the head and not the tail means that we don't follow culture, we lead the way. The greatest expression, the greatest innovation in arts and medicine and science and business in every dimension ought to come out of the people of God. We are not to be the ones following the dictates of culture, but we need to be the ones that are already moving in the answers that culture is not even asking yet. Think about this. There's a revelational anointing, and God is going to use you to be the ones who are going to bring the answer of Jesus into your sphere of influence. But that means we've got to come up higher, and there is an open-door invitation to a higher dimension of revelation. And the doorway is very simple. He's Jesus. The doorway to salvation is Jesus. The doorway to walking in higher revelation is not getting um, a certificate saying you completed a prophetic training class. The doorway to Revelation is not having the latest, greatest, super, you know, super um, uh, star preacher lay hands on you. And I'm not against well-known 
preachers. I'm just saying that God is, is inviting you and I together through the doorway of Jesus. That means simplicity of faith. I can come because the doorway is open. But when John the Revelator entered into this higher dimension of revelation, some call it third heaven revelation, he's entered into the doorway to see what's happening in the heavenly realm. There are two things I want to look at briefly. I want to look at what John encountered there. He encountered the activity of heaven and the atmosphere of heaven. I want to look first at the activity of heaven. Jump with me past verse 2. We'll come back to that in a moment. In verse 4 of Revelation chapter 4, John said, Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. Seated on them were 24 elders, dressed in white, had crowns of gold on their heads. Without trying to get deeply theological here, let me say this. In the heavenly realm, I don't see anywhere where the Bible talks about angels having crowns. The only time you see anyone in the heavenly realm other than Jesus himself having a crown are the saints of God. It's the redeemed men and women of God who have been given crowns of righteousness that we then cast at his feet. And so if I can be allowed a little theological leeway, I believe these 24 elders may not be angelic beings. They may be redeemed humanity that are sitting, ruling and reigning with Jesus in the eternal realm. And while there is a, a futuristic aspect to that, there is also, I believe, an understanding for the present day that we as the people of God have been given judicial legislative kingdom authority. That means that we have got to learn to exercise the authority of the Lord. That means when sickness comes against you, when the demonic powers of hell are arrayed against you, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. But that means you have the authority of Christ in you. You don't need to wait for the, the prophet or the apostle or somebody to come and fight your battle for you and win your battle for you. Jesus, the anointed one, lives in you and wants to arise within you. And Isaiah, I think it's uh, in, somewhere in chapter 10, it says uh, the, the, the anointing breaks the yoke within you. And if you study that out in Hebrew, the anointing here is not just something that comes upon you. The anointing is something that arises within you. There is a place for smearing the anointing. There's a place for anointed hands being laid. But ultimately, it is the anointed one Jesus is rising within. And when it says that the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing, one version says it this way, the yoke, of, you know what a yoke is, put over the, the necks of animals to control them, that which the enemy is using to try to control your life, it says, will be destroyed because you've grown so fat. Now, skinny people just, bleh, you know, you shut, no, shut your ears. If, now, this is not an unhealthy fat. This is a hulk fat. All right, this is when you get so fed up with the enemy's attack against your family, against your purpose, against your nation, that you let the anointed one arise within you and you hulk out spiritually. And when that happens, nothing the enemy has put upon you can hold steady. So we have got to learn how to exercise the authority of the Lord in our spheres of influence. God has given us the keys of the kingdom. Remember Jesus saying that to his disciples? Those keys are authority to open doors for the king of glory to come in. But keys can only be given to those, the authority can only be given to those who have the heart of God and the trustworthiness of God. And so God is taking us all through a time of testing, a time of training. One of our previous apostolic team members, a guy named Gary Klein, uh, Gary used to say it this way, if you're going to be a key to open the door of the kingdom of God, God's got to prepare you just like a natural key. You know how a key is made typically? It's put into a grinder. Anybody had God had you in the grinder? It's because God is getting rid of everything in us that doesn't fit the key. So God is preparing us. So there's an authority, a governmental authority in the heavenly realm that needs to be released in the earthly realm. That means that politics and, and pandemics or pandemics, whatever your opinion is, all these other things do not set the normal. We, the church of Jesus Christ, through the Spirit of God and the Word of God, we set the normal where our nation and where we are going. Let's move on quickly. Around the throne of God, verse 5. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings of peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Around the throne of God, the place of His dwelling, there are lightnings. 
If you've ever studied lightning, lightning has the ability, catch this, to change the very composition of the atmosphere. You know, when you allow yourself to be a conduit of the manifest power of God, it can change the actual atmosphere around you. Instead of our cities and our, our neighborhoods being full of crime and, and, and uh, uh, you know, abuse and, and, and suicide, all these other things, you and I can express Jesus in such a way that will change the very spiritual atmosphere and cleanse the atmosphere. Lightning can purify pollutants out of the air. Lightning will charge the atmosphere. Have you ever gone outside after a lightning storm and you can feel the electricity in the air? You can smell the ions in the air? There is an anointing upon the people of God if we walk in this, this dimension of revelation that will actually shift the atmosphere and the greatest miracles will happen out there as you release the power of God. And God will cleanse the atmosphere through us. Around the throne are also thunders. Thunders many times in the Word of God are indicative of the voice of the Lord. The God of glory thunders. I want to put it this way carefully. The church in America has been full of too many weak-willed, <laughs> how do I say it? Feminized preachers. Now, I'm not talking about men and women here. I'm talking about the lack of ability and courage to stand and speak truth. When I was a young man, a young preacher, I started preaching at 15, preaching on the streets and in churches at 16, a little bit here and there. And, and here's what I found is I love truth, but I didn't really like people a whole lot. So I would use truth to beat people up. But God, life, my wife, my daughter, spiritual parents, otherwise, taught me to love. And so the truth of God is not to beat people down. It's to bring them into freedom. But it's going to take truth. We don't have to be politically correct. We don't have to be offensive in our personalities, but we must let the truth offend where the lies and deceptions have brought people into bondage. God is going to fill our pulpits again with thundering voices. And thunder will catch people's attention. Thunder will cause a fear to those who are not prepared for the coming storm. And there needs to be a fresh fear of the Lord come upon the church in our nation and our nation in general. So around the throne of God in that place of heavenly revelation, there are lightnings, there are thunders. It says there are seven lampstands, seven flames. It says this is the sevenfold spirit of God. I'm not going to go into this in depth. There's only one Holy Spirit, not seven. But this Holy Spirit has seven expressions um, of, of who he is. He's the spirit of the Lord. He's the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of power, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Again, we're not going to go uh, into depth and in all of that. But all of this to say this cannot be done by religious uh, tradition. It can't be done by force of personality. It's not by might. It's not by power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. Without the Spirit of God, everything we're building, everything we're doing is just a testament to man, and it's going to crumble and fall in the days that are ahead because we, I personally, without trying to prophesy it, the shakings are not over. But the only thing that will remain is what cannot be shaken, and that's Jesus living in us and through us. Let's come uh, to a close to this particular part of it. In front of the throne was looking like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. There's a transparency that God's bringing to the church, etc. And uh, again, we're not going to go in depth there. In the center around the throne were four living creatures. They were covered with eyes in front and in back. First living creature like a lion, second like an ox, third out of face like a man, fourth like a flying eagle. Again, I'm not going to go into all the symbology for sake of time this morning. Each of the four living creatures had six wings, covered with eyes all around, even under the wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. I want to focus in on one thing with these living creatures. They were covered with eyes. Eyes speak of revelation. Eyes speak of seeing clearly. But these living creatures did not have just one set of eyes. They were covered with eyes. Let me tell you something. Star Wars has nothing on the way the heaven looks. The weird creature, we were at Disney the other day and she kind of got blue milk at Galaxy's Edge. And um, you know what? These weird Star Wars creatures, they have nothing compared to what's in heaven. Six wings, all these different faces covered with eyes. 
but a good friend of ours, Jim Williams, heard him talking about this one time, and he said, could it be that these angels are opening one eye and they behold the Lord? They're so overwhelmed with His glory, His majesty, His holiness, they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Then they close that eye and they open the one right next to it. And they see God in just a little bit different dimension. And they're again overwhelmed with his glory. And they cry out, holy, holy, holy. Then they open two eyes and five eyes and ten eyes and a hundred eyes and a thousand eyes and a million eyes. And he said, could it be eternity is going to be a continual unfolding of the majesty of our God? It's not going to be an eternity-long praise service singing the same stupid chorus a million times. Does it ever feel like a million times? Worship team, I love you. It's going to be an, an eternal unfolding of the revelation of our God. But we don't have to wait for eternity. You and I can live in that spirit of revelation. And so in the midst of all this activity going on in the heavenly realm, it all uh, uh, emanates out of the atmosphere of heaven. In verse 2, John the Revelator said, At once when I was in the spirit, there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. The one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, um, a, a rainbow that showed like an emerald and circled the throne. The one who sat on the throne was Jesus. I remember growing up listening to uh, Southern Gospel music. Yeah, I'm one of those. Um, you know, there's a lot of songs about heaven. And as a young man, I said, yeah, you know, all those old people want to talk about heaven. I want to talk about doing the work of God on earth. But as and I, I'm as I, as I contemplated this a handful of years ago, I felt the Lord say because you know heaven songs about heaven were streets of gold, mansions fair, and you know build my mansion next door to Mama. I love my Mama; she's watching right now. And um, I'm from from Missouri, and but heaven, the way the Lord put it to me, He said you could spend eternity with streets of gold, no tears, no sickness. If Jesus isn't there, you're in hell. You know what makes heaven heaven? His presence. You know what makes heaven on earth? Heaven on earth is not about I have no pain. Heaven on earth is not I have abundance of finances. Heaven on earth is not that all my circumstances are good. Heaven on earth is that I walk in and live in the presence of Jesus no matter what's going on around me. When we pray that kingdom come, that will be done. Look, I believe in healing. I believe in prosperity. But the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not about physical stuff. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I love the way the psalmist put it. He said, even if I make my bed in the depths of hell, you're with me. Please hear this. Even in the most hellish situation of your life, you can have heaven in the midst of that hell. You can be sent into the very gates of hell itself to, um, to in, impact, to uh, infiltrate the gates of hell. You can go into the worst places in culture, and yet you can bring heaven with you. And ultimately, we bring the atmosphere of heaven with us wherever we go. That means that we become the fragrance of life to those who are dying. I remember when I was 16 years old, I got my first paying job. I worked at Hardee's. Anybody worked fast food? And there's a Hardee's, Todd Stadium, Newport News, uh, I had, um, for, for the Johnson family. I, I worked there at 16 years old. And here's what was interesting. No matter what I did that day, I could have been, you know, at the drive-thru, at the front cashier. I could have been, um, you know, flipping burgers, whatever it was. But no matter what I did that day, when I got home, I smelled like French fry grease. You see, because it was not important about my function in the house, it was important that I absorb the atmosphere of the house. Your identity and your value is not the sound, though that's great, the worship, though that's great. Your identity and value is found not in what you do, but who you are. Quite often I quote a uh, thing that Pastor Ron said years ago. I usually give him credit. He said this, your identity is not found in your history. Your identity is found in your destiny. You see, who we are is not based on our past, good, bad, and ugly. Who we are is based on who Jesus sees us as and who he's making us. 
We are to be a fragrance of life to those who are dying. I don't know if you've ever sat down to a Thanksgiving or a Christmas feast and just eaten yourself stupid. Push back from the table, oh, I'm not going to eat for another week. About 15, 20 minutes later, there's an aroma. The wafts out of the kitchen, right? Your favorite dessert. All of a sudden, you're hungry again. There's a little bit more room. We see the people in our world, the people around us, the people that live next door, they have satiated themselves on the filth of the world, on the deadness of religion that has no relationship with Jesus. They have filled themselves, and they don't think that they're hungry for our God. But many times it's because we are not bringing the fragrance of the life and the love and the power of Jesus with us. But when they catch an aroma of heaven out of our lives, it's going to cause them to hunger and thirst for our Jesus. And so you and I are called into an open door experience to go higher in our revelation and understand the activity of the heavenly realm and the atmosphere of the heavenly realm so we can release heaven on earth. And so the invitation to us today, one church, as you enter into this fresh season, I know a little bit about the building. We gave a small offering, not a lot, but to, to help with that. We believe in what God's doing with that. And, and we, we understand this, the culmination, as, as Pastor said, of the 21 days of preparation. I love that. There's a song we used to sing, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With Thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. I tell you what, if we're going to move into this next season, this new season, it's an invitation through Jesus, the doorway to a higher dimension of revelation. And so part of prophetic anointing, again, is not just to give words. It's to invite you with us to go higher in him. Stand with me if you would. Again, thank you for your, your, your patience and your time. Um, Kim, Shekinah, come join me if you would, please. Pastor Justin, Jen, can the two of you come, please, and just stand here with us. Um, I, can you face towards us? And um, I don't know, do you have elders or who, who are your leadership team of the house? Can we get your, the, the main leadership team of the house to come and, and, and stand um, with us? Stretch your hands toward our, our pastors, if you would. Please understand, if you're not familiar with prophetic stuff, let me just say this. We don't live our lives by prophecy. We live our lives by the written word of God. And every prophetic word has got to be tested. It doesn't mean we govern with a critical spirit. It means we take every prophetic word and we line it up with the word of God. Number two, the witness of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit lives in us. And you know what? It lives in the newest believer the same way that he lives in the greatest apostle or prophet. All right? And so you have the Holy Spirit witness. And then God's giving you a team. He's giving you family. He's giving you, you know, apostolic leaders. And they will help, um, uh, you know, say yes and amen to the things that are God. But we hold on to the word of the Lord. And it's not just, oh, I get a prophecy because uh, God will speak to you whether we ever prophesy to you or not. But as you stretch your hands toward our pastors and the leadership team, Father, thank you for Justin and Jen. Thank you for this leadership team. God, thank you for one church and all that you're doing. Now, I know there are things with the one church uh, community, family collective, uh, all of that, but with this unique, and, and these things can be for all, but for this house individually, there are a few things. Shekinah, grab my phone over there if you would, please, because I was writing some things down during worship. Um, there were a few things that I felt the Lord speaking, and we're, we all want to share these things. One of the first things I heard the Lord say is that you are becoming a house that is naturally supernatural. There have been, you've seen and experienced and moved in the supernatural, but you've seen times when the supernatural has either gotten flaky or the supernatural became an end unto itself. Um, and and I, I, the first one I ever heard it say, it was a guy named Cletty Keith, but he said naturally supernatural. That means you're normal, natural people bringing the power of a supernatural God. There will be the healings. There will be the miracles. There will be even the demons cast out, the deliverances. Kim's story was great, but probably freaked some of the people out a little bit, but I, and not in a bad way. But understand, you will see the supernatural, but it's going to be through normal people. I, I don't know all the things you have here with kids' ministries, but I think I keep hearing a, a child shall lead them, just like Shekinah was young um, and moving in things of the Spirit. You're going to see y'all's natural kids, but the spiritual kids God gives you in this house, they're going to have an expectation of the supernatural. So there's coming uh, an anointing of the naturally supernatural. The second thing I heard the Lord say is that I'm releasing the hug of heaven through this house. 
there is, there is the spirit of restoration and restitution. God is giving you a hug anointing in this house to hug those that are unlovely, to hug those that are the outcasts. I'm, you know, we're, we're in this season, everybody, you know, the powers that be, social distance and all this other stuff, and yet Jesus hugged the leper. The Lord says, you're going to be a church that hugs those that nobody else wants to hug. Um, and, and, uh, and, and because, because you're going to know the hug of heaven yourself. One of the, please test this out, but I believe one of the fresh uh, words, if it's not already part of the foundation, is the love of Daddy God, Abba, for broken children. And God's going to then release it through you to see many natural children and spiritual children that are going to be restored. I see the prodigals. You are going to have a harvest of souls, but I believe one of the first dimensions of that harvest are going to be prodigals. Ones that had the call of God, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the word, and they're going to be drawn back to the Lord. Um, I, I also felt the Lord say this. I don't remember a whole lot about the building other than the warehouse and, and, and some of the past. But my sense is it's a multifunction building. And my sense is some of it is going to be used for outreach. Some of it's going to be used for entrepreneurship. Some of it's going to be used um, in, in different ways. I, I just sense the Lord saying there's going to be a multifaceted expression of the kingdom of God. And it's going to be driven by the Spirit of God, but it's going to meet the needs of the community. Some people, they want to just be spiritual and ignore the community. Others are driven by what the community says rather than what God says. But you're going to be led by the Spirit of God, but also be a practical answer to the community God's called you to. Kim Shekinah, please. I saw a couple of things for you. The first thing I saw is I saw your heart, and it looked like there were still some scabs, things that weren't completely healed up. They were healed a little bit, but just never fully healed. And I saw it as Jesus, he anointed your hearts and all of those places that hadn't completely healed up started to mend and started to come together. And then I saw as Jesus, he took that same anointing oil that he used for your hearts and he started anointing your feet. And I saw as he put a light in front of your path and with every single step that you guys took on this path that he was highlighting for you, he was anointing your feet with every single step. And then the second thing I saw, and of course, you know, test everything out. Don't do anything because of prophecy. But um, I don't know if you do any counseling in the natural. But I saw as um, young women and men, but specifically young women, were coming to you. And they saw the love of the Lord on you. And some of these young women, I believe, um, didn't have their parents in their lives. And they thought of you as a spiritual mom. And I believe that God might be using you to be a spiritual mom to young women. <laughs> I've been praying for you guys. I, um, I was praying for you, and I asked the Lord for a dream for you guys last night. And what I saw was this. I saw your hearts crying out for the Lord. And I saw the Ark of the Covenant for some reason in this dream. And I heard the word say, if you don't go with us, we will not go. And the Lord says this, because I've heard your heart, that you don't want to go move into another place unless my presence goes with you. I am well pleased with the heart cry. And the Lord says, will I not go with you? Will I not lead the way? And the Lord says, watch and see if I'm going to lead you even into some unusual, unusual things of even some outreach that other people haven't thought of. And some might think it's weird. But the Lord says, if you are willing to listen to my voice when I say to do this or that and go with me, not the naysayers, watch and see if I will not cause an exponential growth among your body and you are going to be vibrant, vibrant with the life of the Lord. And Jen, I was watching you, actually, and in you, I saw the Lord actually a long time ago downloaded some stuff in you, even some dreams and visions, some things that God had for you. And the Lord says, I have not forgotten. Don't you forget. The Lord says, there are some promises I gave you even long ago, and it seems like it's been set up on the shelf for a long time. 
The Lord says this, it may seem a long time coming, but you're getting ready to step into your season of promise. Watch and see if I will not do what I told you I would do. You all lift your hands to the Lord, please, congregation. Understand, when we're ministering over the, the pastors of this house, you're part of this family. And these are promises that you grab a hold of as well. And understand, while, while we don't have time to line everybody, give words, remember, the Holy Spirit, by his word and by his presence, speak to each one of us. So would you do something with me? Would you touch your ears just as we come to a close tonight or today? Touch your ears, please. Father, we yield our ears to you. Lord, there are times we've allowed ourselves to hear junk, filth, things that tear down instead of build up. God, forgive us for giving our ears to hearing things that are not of God. Cleanse our ears, and may we hear the shout of the Lord and the whisper of our God. Touch your eyes, if you would, please. God, we yield our eyes. Lord, where we have given our eyes to see things that are not uh, conducive to God the living, things, see things that tear down. Forgive us, Lord. We make a covenant, like David said, we make a covenant with our eyes that we will look on things that are pure. And so, God, anoint our eyes. Lord, even in Revelation 3 of the Laodicea, you counsel them to buy eyes from heaven. So, God, anoint our eyes to the eyes of heaven that we may see into the realm of the Spirit. Anoint your heart or touch your heart, please. God, may we have the heart of God. Lord, may we be trustworthy with your compassion. There is an anointing of compassion in this house. You're going to find yourself with tears over the broken. You're going to find, in fact, it's interesting, that which causes other Christians to get mad at our culture are going to bring you to tears in a positive way. You're not going to be fighting the wrong battles. Please hear me. We stand for truth, but we're going to be fighting the battles on our knees and not just with our voice in anger. God says, I'm, re I'm replacing the anger of what's happening in culture with the heart of God. And it is going to be that heart of compassion that it's going to empower you to be trustworthy with the keys of the kingdom of heaven in your sphere of influence and in your region. So God, we thank you. Lord, so give us the heart of God. Lord, we pray that we would feel the heartbeat of heaven. And one final thing, touch your lips, please. God, in Isaiah 6, Isaiah saw the Lord. And in that place it says, I'm unclean. My lips are unclean. I dwell in the midst of an unclean people and unclean lips. But God, you touched his lips with a fire from heaven. You purified. So God, forgive us for speaking words that are not in line with your truth. And Lord, let the fire of God be released upon our lips that our tongues would utter the words that set people free, the words of life. And so God, we see the open door of Jesus. We hear the invitation to the higher dimension of revelation. God, may we encounter and walk in the atmosphere of heaven, taking the fragrance of life, the fragrance of Jesus everywhere we go. And, Lord, may we move in the activity of the heavenly realm, that, Lord, the power of the lightning of heaven, Lord, the thundering voice of God, the revelation of the heavenly realm, the authority of God would be released to the people of God. Lord, for this leadership team, God, again, it's not our hands that give anything. It's your hands. But God, as hands are laid, we pray, God, that they would each arise to the fullness of what they have been purposed for in this moment and in this time. God, we thank you that, Lord, there is a team forming, not just of natural ability. I don't understand all of this. I'm not going to take a lot of time. But the Lord is saying, it, it, what I'm going to help you to do is not recognize just natural talent. Oh, they're good at business. They're good at technology. They're good at, and those things are great. But God says to you as a leader, leadership team, your spiritual gifts are going to mark your identity and your function in the house more than your natural gifts. You have natural gifts. God will use you in that, but it's going to be your spiritual gifts that are going to mark your identity more than your natural gifts. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you. Uh, congregation, just um, let us, if we can, just word, speak a word of blessing over you all. Father, thank you for this time. God, we pray that the spirit of revelation would be released to know Jesus and to make him known. God, upon the entire One Church family, Lord, we thank you for what you're establishing. But God, foundations are becoming now launching pads. Foundations are becoming launching pads. And so, God, we thank you. It's not just going to be from the head, from mom and dad down. Lord, every one of us are going to walk into this. So, Lord, we bless you. We thank you. And, Jesus, we say it's all from you, it's all for you, and it's all about you. You alone are worthy. And we give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Would you just clap your hands and praise to Jesus for a moment?
Father, we give you thanks. We give you thanks. Can I say this? Um, if we have the privilege of coming back at some point, we would love the time to have some time to minister personally. And, and I know that's pastor's heart as well. We have to honor, want to honor the, the time frame and your commitments here. But please understand, you don't have to wait for a preacher to lay hands on you. You don't have to wait for a prophet to give you a word. You have the word and you have the spirit of God. You press in and hear the Lord clearly for yourselves. We are excited for where you all are heading. We're excited because you're becoming a place of his presence that's going to release where God's going. And Kim was referencing, um, with your, without your presence, we don't want to go. Moses said when he was getting ready to go be a deliverer, he said, God, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. You're about to move in the presence of God to be a ministry of deliverance. I don't mean just casting out devils. I mean delivering people from darkness into light. Amen. God bless you, Pastor. Thank you so much for allowing